Welcome to the Tone Jerks podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gower, and uh, I'm joined by Kyle McIntyre. And we have a special guest in studio today. Heyo, my name is Dustin Lutzbike. All right. So we're uh, excited. Uh, local musician, local, uh, local gear, every- everything. gear nerd. Yeah. yeah. We're uh, ready to. Covers it all. Yeah. I have like eight jobs, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll uh, t- touch on a couple of those. So, um, well, f- I mean, first off, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for taking the time to come out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, very stoked on your guys' podcast. I mean, being a, a gear aficionado uh, as I am, I was uh, very. I mean, you know, you got sixty cycle hum in town, and mm-hmm. and local you boys, know, local Who? guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give a shout out to the competition or anything, yeah. but uh, there's no competition. <laughs> <laughs> they, they blow us out of the yeah, water, exactly. <laughs> but hey, there's always uh, there's always room for uh, folks like uh, like us, mm-hmm. you could say. So. Um, very thrilled that you guys are doing this. Yeah, I mean, we're excited, you know, to you know start this podcast and like, you know, meet local musicians. Like we, you know, Dustin, we've known you and you kind of known us in the band and stuff like that mm-hmm. for a little while. But this is like kind of the first time that we're just sitting chatting, chatting. Yeah, so it's like yeah, having a beer. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm excited to get down to it, get to the nitty gritty. <laughs> so do, uh, do you want to kind of catch up on uh, what's been going on, Kyle? What's uh, new in your in your world? Um, my world. Um. Not really a whole lot. Uh, my niece's birthday was super sick. She's turned <laughs> seven years old. That's cool. That's a good age. Yeah, and I Did got you get her, her guitar yet. Then I'm um, thinking about it, but I got her like those things you shoot up in the air that are light, lit, and it was like the best thing at the party. So what, fireworks? Score? No, they're like the they're like they call them like light rockets or whatever. You shoot them up and they spin. And they come down. Fireworks. And you see he the got, guys. He got her yeah. fireworks. Yeah. 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 Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> you won't be able to count to ten tonight. So no. So you know, you shoot them up in the. Anyways, it was it was a hit. So they were like seven bucks. I bought them. Perfect. And Sweet. everyone else bought like fifty dollar presents, and I was like the cool uncle yeah. for like one night. Yeah. Not That's the scary way. uncle with the beard. So <laughs> so it's cool. Fellas on top of the world. How long you been growing that beard? Uh, I've had it for a long time, but I don't know. I've had, I've, I haven't seen my face since I was eighteen. <laughs> me, me, you know what? Me too. But, but <laughs> uh, I guess in this rendition, let's say three years in this length. So I've, I've cut it down when it gets too scraggly. It's probably getting there right now. But that is no a, one's told me. That's a lengthy beard. Yeah. I mean, that's like. I mean, it's uh, it's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I my my beard doesn't grow down; it grows out. Yeah. So I have the opposite. I, I have to <laughs> you, when I get, kind of when you, I get my haircut, I get that like like someone put a guide just straight yeah, down, yeah, yeah, like, like guillotined the yeah, side of my yeah. yeah you're like, so you, I, need, I need my length. Yeah, yeah. you kind of train so, it. You train it. And, down I, and a I recently bit. started adding like beard oil and stuff, and so Ooh. I think that's actually helping. So <laughs> you know, I'm trying to go like all the way to my knees. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a different kind of podcast. We'll save that yeah. for, for later. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's right after this. We're doing the the beard me. Yeah. <laughs> the beard jerks. Yeah. The the, <laughs> the bearded jerks. Yeah, it's beer and then beard. Yeah. So we, we do beers. I guess before we get into too much of the. Well, know, what what's up with your week? What did I you do? Ask Dustin. Well, okay. You know, come on, Kyle. I'm the like, guest you know, here. Let's. Yeah. Uh, I know you should have let him go first. <laughs> Mine was horrible. <laughs> you know, we, that we, party sucked. I wasn't the, that get, cool. get the crap out the way first, <laughs> and then we do something good, wow. and then we end it with more crap with me. It's Ouch. a crap sandwich. Uh. Yes, it's, <laughs> I'm the warm up act. I get it. So it's, it's crap, good crap. Oh man, you know this drill. <laughs> so, Dustin, what's new? What's, uh, what's grooving? 
man, there's just uh, so much. Uh, my uh, my band Diamond Lakes. They were playing our last show uh, on uh, Thursday, so I guess it'll be over by the time this comes out. But yeah. so that band is ending. Uh, our lead singer is moving to New Mexico, so playing our last show. So that should be fun. Um, kind of a bummer, but still, yeah, still a good time. Um, and then, uh, I mean, for, there's probably like everybody out there that doesn't actually know who I am. I, uh, I book shows at the Moreau, uh, in town. I work at, um, San Diego. So I interview a lot of bands and that are coming through town and stuff like that. And, um, I also run a blog called gear and loathing in San Diego.com. Nice. Um, which focuses also on gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and local musicians that use it. Yeah, so you're kind of just busy spinning a bunch of plates. Yes, it's uh, it's just kind of never ending. You know, I mean, booking is like a 24 hour job, pretty much all the time. Um, and yeah, people hitting you up at like three in the morning. Oh yeah, I could totally play that show. But <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you open your phone in the morning, you're like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, there's. It's a, yeah, it's just never ends. Like It's not like a nine to five thing, you know, it's just whenever people get around to replying to you and stuff like that, or, or, you know, whatever, it's just, it just goes on and on and on. Um, and before I started working on the Moreau, it was like, I booked the shows for my own bands Yeah, and that was hard enough. Just Tell to do like it, yeah. one every yeah, couple I don't do any of that. This guy over here does it's, it. Brian. It's awful. Like, it's like a, it's an awful thing to have to do. And when, you know, they kind of approached me about the job, uh, I was like, I don't know if I want to do that all the time. <laughs> You're like, I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, man, I have difficulty doing that once in a while, a long while, you know. And um, How but, often do you, do you book then there? So Just, I book probably on the average, probably like 13 or 14 shows a month. Wow. Um, and uh, our, the guy I work uh work with mainly um shiloh he does sound there mm. uh he who's books. that i don't know who shiloh is shiloh i cut his oh, beard God. you don't know who he looks like <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> who's that guy behind the, behind the glass back there yeah um so he books the other shows and you know between the two of us like you know the the calendar gets filled up yep, every month so that's the goal yeah we like playing there a lot actually yeah i like having you guys definitely a good spot it's one of the like it's a, uh, you know, we feel like we're, we, we're taken care of. You feel like your family yeah. when you're there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Olive Garden. Where everybody all, knows all, your name. All of the garden. And cheers. Yeah. All rolled into one. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll just jump into what I've been up to. Not a whole lot. Not what, a lot. You know what, Brian? What okay. have you been up to? Oh, really? thank you. Can I ask you too? Do you want to really be a uh, co-host? <laughs> <laughs> you got a beard? I got a beard. <laughs> I asked already. You, you kiboshed mine. All right. Well. Uh, I've been getting into like, you know, demoing songs and it's kind of cool to use, you know, you know, pro tools to kind of like, as like to track ideas. And I've never really used record. I've, you know, have had pro tools and used recording before to actually track an album, but never actually used that to like write before. So recently I've been like, kind of like setting up drum tracks and I'm like, let me just find a beat and start drum, you know, strumming along and doing stuff to that. And so like, I'm like, Oh, let me just grab random pedals I have and kind of clip them together. You know, and I'm like, Oh, well, this is kind of a cool sound. So I just record ideas and kind of just 
sending Kyle just different track ideas or whatever. I'm like, really? Hmm. When did you do that? He just goes straight to track, <laughs> <laughs> straight to spam. Oh, my phone doesn't have much memory, so <laughs> you're like, oh, delete that. God, no, you're taking up my time here. Where's my Calvin and Hobbes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need this crap on my phone. <laughs> it's far side, okay. Yeah, far side. Do you, you use my... um? Do you use uh, any like um? You know the built-in effects and stuff like that on Pro Tools? Or you I the, the um. I've recently uh, kind of been using that. Um, where I'll uh, the Focusrite has really good DIs. Actually, like better than I was used to using an inbox. Oh right. And this actually just sounds great. I can plug this in, and I'm actually um use was it eleven rack and mm-hmm. th- it sounds yeah. pretty decent you yeah, know once you sure. get like a good signal going in there and then yeah. like i i have a amplitude for a bass and i have like the ampeg you know bass amp or whatever cool and it's kind of good just to, like you know just grab my computer and you know my interface which isn't super you know it's not super portable but i can kind of just plug in and kind of figure out ideas and use it a easy drummer track and i'm like oh track ideas just right there i'm like oh these are kind of cool i can have like maybe a minute and a half track you know snippets and then i can listen to it you know, uh, you know, I'm at work or at the gym or something. I'm like, wow, that was really cool until I did that part. <laughs> so I figure out what stuff I'm like, all right, this is a cool idea up to this point. Cut that. So I'm, you know, just excited to start writing again and just like with no direction except for just like whatever comes to me. And yeah. I think that's a really cool way. I've never actually done that before. I've always kind of like wrote lyrics first and kind of figure out where I wanted to go with a song first. Usually you know? use a ukulele, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you write everything on that thing. Usually I just like, you know, steal a bunch of other songs first and put them all together. <laughs> yeah. <and I'm> like, <laughs> but no, so I think this is a lot of fun. So to me, I'm like not using a lot of, you know, I haven't bought gear or done anything recently, but I'm actually using the stuff that I have to create music. And I think that's the biggest whole point why we have gear. So uh, not, not having a, you know, kind of a, an idea before you go into it, I think is, pretty crucial you know i mean like to you know to kind of the creative process anyway you know because it's like once you have something in mind like oh you know i need to write a song that's like uh sounds like this and is this tempo and this style or whatever it's like you know um i i think it's pretty stifling you know mm-hmm. like and, definitely um and for a while i i was in three or four bands at the same time because i would have all these just a range of different ideas that would fit into different projects. And that's how those other bands came about is because I, you know, I stopped kind of forcing myself to write for like, you know, my first band or whatever. And so eventually that turned into like a bunch of different things, you know? And so, um, I don't, you know, I'm, you're probably like me in that, like, I like a wide range of music. So, um, you know, when I write, it could be, a bunch of different things that come yeah. out, you know, so it's very cool. And I kind of like the fact that like our band isn't trying to stick to one style. We are kind of like a punk band, but I'm like, Oh, if we have like a different type of groove, like I'm always like, Oh, I was like wrote it to a drum track that was like, Oh, a four in the floor kind of beat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, we've never done that before. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Let me just try and come up with a rhythm pattern that goes with that. With yeah, why not? yeah. So, you know, it's cool. That's kind of you know, what I've been up to. Right on, right on. That. So, uh, Dustin, if you wouldn't mind, I want to ask, you know, a couple questions and kind of yeah, like, we'll get, get into to, it. You know, some talking. So yeah. uh, would you want to go into like kind of your musical background and maybe some of the bands that you've been in that you're currently in? And uh, Sure, yeah. Um, <clears throat> like what got you into music, you know? Uh, well, initially, um, I think I picked up a guitar after hearing Nirvana. Uh, I mean, 
I think it was mostly, I think it was mainly after hearing Unplugged, actually. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. uh, my mom had an acoustic guitar laying around. And I remember after hearing that, I was like, I I really want to do that, you know? And so I picked it up and didn't know what to do with it and <laughs> and still don't know what to yeah. do with it. <laughs> <laughs> We're all figuring that out, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of where it started. And, uh, you know, 20 years later, I started my first band and um, that was called Old Tiger. And then after that, um, a couple years after that, I was in a band called Boy King. And then a couple years after that, I was in a band called uh, Chess Wars. And then uh, Diamond Lakes was my uh, latest and last project. So that was over like the span of probably the last seven years or so. We just time traveled right there. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So um, try to keep it, you know, short and sweet. (laughs) So are you uh, doing any like other recording projects or is it kind of your... Yeah, I'm always like because uh, you're saying Diamond Lakes is kind of you know on the outs. Or yeah, you guys are Diamond doing Lakes kind of wrapping your up. final show. Yeah, um, but I'm always writing at home. You know, I've I've always written songs as, uh, since I picked up that acoustic guitar when I was like 12 or whatever. Like that was uh, I've always written stuff, and so at home, um, I'm always recording, and it's uh, I usually use Logic. Yeah, and. Um, I've gotten really into synths lately. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there you go. And for someone that doesn't know how to play piano, it's <laughs> it's very challenging for me. And I think that's why I'm kind of drawn to it at the moment is that I don't know how to create a song on a piano really like proficiently, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I just pound away at something until it sounds decent, you know? And um, I don't know what the car- chords are that I'm playing and stuff, which is very strange for me because I usually know that yeah. kind of stuff on guitar or bass or whatever it is. I have no idea what the what the notes are on a piano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm assuming they're the same as a guitar, just laid out a little bit differently. Uh, <clears throat> they should be. I they mean, should be. I don't know. <laughs> I would think so. Um, but when I play like three notes on a piano, I have no idea what chord that is. So that's kind of strange to me, but kind of fun at the same time. And I've also been like working with like weird, like, you know, modular kind of stuff and like just trying to get weird sounds and stuff like that. So what kind of sense yeah. do you have? Or I have a Moog uh, sub fatty and um, which is, I think it would be kind of like the ideal synth in my opinion except for the fact that it doesn't do polyphonic stuff. Yeah. It's just like, it's a mono synth. Yeah. So it's like one note at a time, which is good for bass and leads and stuff like that. But, um, you know, for anything that's polyphonic, like you need something else. And so I also have, uh, a Dave Smith instruments, Mofo X four, which is not the greatest name, but, uh, it's a cool synth. It definitely, has some cool things. And then I also use a lot of like software synths and stuff like Arturia has a good collection of synthesizers that I use. And, um, and then I just have a, a, a shit ton of pedals. <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you uh, run your synths and stuff through pedals? Yeah, too? I run okay, the synths yeah, through, uh, through pedals and just try to get some weird sounds. And, um, you know, it's, it's weird. Like sometimes I feel like I'm trying to make my synths sound like a guitar 
And when I play guitar, I feel like I'm trying to get them to sound like synths. You're trying to get your guitar, <laughs> guitar not to sound like a guitar. Right. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I haven't released anything of my own in, in quite some time. And, um, you know, every once in a while I've got like, you know, a buddy will ask me like, you know, what are you doing these days and stuff? And like, I'm always recording. I'm always working on stuff. But um, because I don't, I'm basically learning how to write music on this stuff. It's taken me a really long time to actually do anything. So it's yeah. frustrating, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of rewarding. When yeah. Like that learning curve happens. is like something that's re rewarding. Stuff, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, so that's what I'm doing now. Um, I've just been working on stuff on my own and, uh, you know, that's, that's about it really. Nice. Well, so, I know that like music is actually like a really big part of your life, like part of your you know job. Like you're saying, like booking yeah. for you know Moreau, you're writing for San Diego, you're yeah. playing in bands. Like when was that tipping point? Have you always kind of been involved in music in this way? Has it always been like a goal of yours? No, actually, like I had no real intention of working in music ever. Like I um, I worked in accounting for a long time, and then I worked in you know um, customer service before that and stuff. And happy to get the hell out of there. I just, <laughs> I, just uh, I got fired from one job. I was unemployed for almost two years. And then all of a sudden, um, I got to give credit to Rosie Bystrack uh, from SD dialed in. Um, and cause she talked to Eric page over at San Diego and he was like, you know, we were looking for someone to help us, you know, put you know, articles together and interview bands and stuff like that. Who do you know that could, that could maybe do that. And she was like, well, Dustin actually writes, you know, a, a little bit. And I think I had maybe a couple of articles online that I just wrote for yeah. fun that she had seen. And, um, she recommended me to Eric and he called me up just out of the blue. I had no clue. And I'd met him before, but I was just totally blown away. And, um, he offered me an associate editor job. Awesome. So it was, uh, it was very much like learned how to write, um, I don't know, in the, in the world of music journalism, if you will, um, just by doing it, by doing of. it. Yeah. yeah nice. Just being like thrown into the fire, you know? Um, and it was, it was very challenging at, at first. And I mean, it's always challenging, but it's, it's gotten easier over time. And, um, the interviews that I do are, I feel like I have a better handle on what I'm actually doing and talking about with people, you know? And, um, so it's, it's definitely easier than it was, but yeah, I had no, no real intention of working <laughs> in music and the Moreau, like that came about kind of randomly too. Like, uh, I was buds with, uh, Joe Rinaldi who books over at music box. And before that he booked at house of blues and, um, the Griffin, um, when that wasn't around, uh, and I've known him for a while and he used to book my bands and when the Moreau was looking for someone to kind of take over the booking reins, um, he, I don't, I don't really know why I think probably cause I helped him book a couple of shows that okay, yeah, yeah. my band was on <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. he was like, Oh, well, Dustin can do it. And so I came in and I met with them and they were like, yeah, sure. You can do that. And I was like, okay. Well, that's so, cool. I mean, yeah. you're, you're connected enough with the music scene in San Diego to kind of gauge it and kind of yeah, piece, piece together some nights and like, you know, what works and, you know, 
Yeah, to, I mean, now, now, yeah, now for sure. Like the a couple of years ago, like I felt like I was just just like anybody else in a band. You're you grasping know. at straws. Yeah, and stuff. just like but, yeah. where can my band play? You know, once every couple months or whatever. You know, and just scrounging for a gig or whatever. You know, and just trying to put together shows that I would have fun with or or want to play. You know, and so when that whole booking thing came along, it was. Uh, it was a very different kind of thing that, I mean, I was just, I almost didn't really want to do it, but I got used to it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so even with like all that, like you still managed to find time on your own to do gear and loathing. It's like where, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Where you Yeah. Like- um, that's, I mean, I just had like this really weird idea. Well, not weird, but to weird to everybody else. It seemed like, um, I had this idea that, you know, whenever I would go to shows, uh, I would always find myself at the front of the stage looking at what they were playing. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm totally I think leaning we probably over know. the railing like, oh, dang. <laughs> right. What's he playing? Especially at, you know, Soda Bar or Casbah mm-hmm. or whatever, where you can actually get, get right, right up yeah. on there and yeah. see what they're using and stuff like that. And um, I was like, you know, I'm always interested to to see what local musicians are playing through, you know, because I know what I use, but I don't know what anyone yeah, else uses. Yeah, and it's uses. kind of more of like we're cut from the same cloth, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what is this guy using? And kind of like, you know, he's not in a big major label signed band because yeah, you know, you watch like Premier Guitar, you know, type thing. It's like I'm using an Axe Effects. I'm using a four thousand dollar <laughs> custom guitar that I just put my coat on, and blah, 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 my tech knows everything. I'm just gonna go walk right. over here, blah. you know. Whereas, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then they got, you know, I think those, it's real lame when the tech does the the rundown. Yeah, yeah. I always no, like, it's super lazy. Yeah. It's like, like oh, come man. on. It's like, like oh, he was feeling kind of sick. I'm like, no, dude, you're just an asshole. You know, like <laughs> I, I've, I've interviewed a ton of bands and. I can't tell you how many times like I'll try to talk about gear with with like guitarists or whoever that I really respect and admire yeah. and they're just like I'm not really a gear guy. I don't know uh. what I'm playing and stuff I'm like yes you do. You know what you're playing, all right? Like I, if I ask you Kyle what bass you currently play on it's stage. Got, it's got four strings. You would say uh. Fender standard, yeah. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um but no, like you know like oh I play an Ampeg bass, I play a Fender precision bass and you know like And I love it. And so. I love it. Yeah. Um but you know I was talking to Alex from Mets the other day and I they recorded with uh, Steve Albini over in Chicago uh, for their last record. And I was asking him like, you know, you're in this like gorgeous studio with like all the gear in the world. Yeah, yeah, like, and, yeah. and I was like, what was I like? Did, did you find anything that you were just blown away by that you wanted to use or whatever? And he's like, Oh, I'm not really much of a gear guy. And so uh. <laughs> we just, we tracked with all our stuff basically and everything. I was like, that's lame. Yeah. I was like, man, like you have access to like, just, a boatload of cool stuff and you use the stuff you use on tour or whatever. And I'm like, I get that. You're trying to like replicate your life sound. sound. I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, like give me something, you know, just be like, Oh, I found this. Boost your shit. I found this weird, like, you know, Tesco base that I've never seen before. (laughs) You know, just give me something, you know? And, um, you know, so there's a lot of people that are like that, you know, that I talk to in like, you know, bigger bands or whatever, but in local bands, like you said, 
not everyone's not using a fractal, you know, like they're like they're not playing through two. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, I looked right at you. By the okay, way, well, I'm u- I'm not using the fractal for their fucking amp effects. I'm using it for I mean, amp sims. I'm using it for the effects. And that I mean that wasn't a dig at you. Okay, like, I, sorry. I, I mean I I, I threw that, that out there into the cosmos. Okay. Um, but but there I mean for every person that uses a fractal, there's like four million other people that don't you know (laughs) and and it's not because like they hate the fractal or whatever it's because they either can't afford it maybe they don't know about it maybe they're happy with their own setup or whatever and so when i started looking at what local musicians were playing i was just always intrigued because some people play really cool stuff that you've never seen before or would never think to use in a live setting, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then you have, like, really lame people, like when I did my article. <laughs> <laughs> no, you or were, like, you were uh, I think, the only one, though, that... I, I um, was, I had... was like, embarrassing uh, how long... I'm like, dude, I think I wrote him a book. <laughs> you ask one question, I'm like, so what's your setup? <laughs> I'm like that cat on the keyboard. Thanks like, for asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I love that. I love when... when yeah, to uh, me, I'm like, it's just so great to talk to people about, you know, all, the, all this shit. And I'm like, yeah. it's stuff that, like... I love talking about, and some people just don't care, which is really weird. Yeah, like you know, for sure. Which is like they're like, oh, I get my sound, I plug it in. I'm like, yeah, but you do give a shit because right. you are playing a Gibson Les Paul, yeah. into you know a Marshall or a Vox or something. And so you obviously give a shit about your sound. This stuff costs money, generally, yeah. you know, and so. I don't know about you, but whenever I spend money on something, I know what I'm buying. Like yeah, I, yeah. I generally have a consensus. Someone know? else has one, so yeah. I'm going to get one too. Yeah, especially things that cost like hundreds or thousands of dollars or whatever, you yeah. know. Um, and so, I mean, you do your homework, you know. Yeah, you, yeah, you figure it out, you know. And so, you know, like I, I, I think for people that are into music, gear, instruments, stuff like that. Um, even recording production, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, we're almost to everyone else. There's almost like a certain sense of like shame that goes with it. Yeah. Because I can't ever talk to any, but like if I start talking about anything related to that stuff to my wife, just the eyes roll back in the head, just glaze yeah. over, like doesn't give a shit. Like she just goes to another planet yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I try to be aware of that I try not to like inundate her with stuff that she doesn't care about, but it's stuff I care about. I love like talking about gear and, mm-hmm. and looking at what other people are using or looking at what's available or what's new or what's for sale. I, all I just explain why it's cool. And then don't like, Oh, because of this, like, just, <laughs> just because why I like it. And then that's it. Right. Like, okay. That's nice, honey. Yeah. But <laughs> that's I mean, all I need. There, there is like a certain, I mean, there's with the shame, there's also like a level of camaraderie with people that are into that stuff. Yeah. And there's know? like a, such a like, you know, pride too. And I, I think it's really cool. Cause I, you know, read everyone that you, you put out and I'm like, I always like see one kind of discovering new bands almost. And also like everyone's different Yeah, and everyone has a different type of, you know, mentality when it comes to gear. Some people like are really short and sweet. Some people sure. are like, they'll like, you, they'll have your questions. They'll be like, they'll have like two sentences, one sentence, maybe a word. Yeah. And then that's it. And then it's like, you know, you check out their band. I'm like, okay, maybe that's their style. And it's like right. some of these people have like, you know, um, I think the first one I saw of yours was the Mrs. Magician Tommy one. Mm-hmm. Well, he mm-hmm. had like three different amps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, the that guy, he had like built himself or whatever. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, yeah. And he worked with Adam and I'm like, 
at Satellite. And I'm like, he's a pretty quiet guy if you ever talk to him. For but sure. it's like he gives a shit about his tone, and his, his gear. And I'm like, it's always it was an interesting read. You know, I thought I I would never imagine in a million years that he would have been down to do that. Like I, because he is a very quiet guy, and and um, it was only really after that feature came out that we kind of started talking, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, before yeah. that I would see him at shows. I'd go see his band. I'd, you know, like I knew of him, like I knew that he worked at satellite. I knew that he, you know, uh, is also a producer slash engineer and works on records and stuff. Yeah. Um, and we talked at soda bar very briefly every yeah, yeah. now and then, but, um, but never to the extent that we talked after, you know, um, I think Corey or Jacob or one of the guys in Mrs. Magician hit him up and said, Oh, check this out. Look at what Dustin's doing. You should get in contact with him. And he didn't, but I reached out to him because I knew that someone had (laughs) mentioned, you know, gear and loathing to him. So, um, and when he came back with like, yeah, I want to do it. And here's some photos and stuff like that. I was like, Holy crap. Like I never would have thought like he'd be down to do it. Cause he is very reserved, you know, for the most part. And, um, and it turned out great because he has like he uses really cool shit and like he builds a lot of stuff on his own and he has like weird like modded everything he has is like modded. Yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's hard it's to his find and his yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. one thing I think is kind of cool. It's really like to me, I thought it was a good read and it's, it's ins- you know I can't think of a better way. It's inspiring because it's like one thing I read that I'm like, this is my you know my town. These are my you know people. Yeah, my, for my, sure. You know my, my scene. I'm like I love watching you know seeing these people like who care about gear, care about their craft and somebody's highlighting that. No. And I, and I really, um, I, you know, I liked reading your, your feature too. Like, I mean, that's the cool thing about it for me is that like, I don't really do anything, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't write the things on gear and loathing. Like, yeah. The bands, you the band proofreaded. I do, I do copy editing. You're so. like, thank uh, goodness, Brian. Brian we, we can't print emojis, bro. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get your R's backwards? <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's cool because like the amount of work that I actually have to do um, is very little, mm-hmm. you know. But on the on the flip side of that is that if no one wants to do one, I have nothing to run yeah, on that yeah. site. You know, like it's very contingent upon people that actually want to be involved mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, hey, you know, I want to feature on gear and loathing and they email me or something and then I make it happen, you know, like send me some photos and I'll send you some questions back about it, you know, that I'm things that I want to know about your rig, you know? And, um, and, but if people don't reach out, then, I got nothing, you're you know? <laughs> SOL. Yeah. Well, uh, what about uh, divulge a little bit on your rig? Well, you know, okay, you know, do you want to talk about maybe a guitar rig first and then maybe bass rig or? Um, yeah, sure. The bass rig is very, very simple as they almost always are, except for Juan Alderade or whatever yeah. his name is. <laughs> or Johnny Ray, for yeah, example, geez. like 18 basses and stuff. Yeah, and 18 all Rickenbackers. <laughs> It was crazy because like he sent me a picture, you know, to put on the podcast, you know, link or whatever Imgur, and I'm like, oh, that's a bass amp you didn't even talk about because he's like, whoa, I got so many. Sorry, we didn't have enough time. We did like three hours of recording. Yeah, <laughs> we had to cut that. We'll have down. to probably do a part two of Johnny. You have to come back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, follow up with him. Uh, and, anyway, he's probably gonna have, buy more gear. He's gonna have all new stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I, it's funny because one of the only people that I've ever talked about, uh, my bass rig with has been Johnny. Like he has been like one of the only people that's like, talk to me after a show and mm-hmm. like, Oh, you know what, 
I see they're using the Ampeg micro head or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, thanks for thanks for catching that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got one of those. And it's pretty cool, man. But I got mine like two years ago <laughs> he's like, before you did probably. Like, about 10 of them. About 10 and of them. Sold it's, a bunch. It's, it's a good investment. <laughs> No, I, fl- I, I flipped those to buy my, you know, <laughs> 70s grabber. <laughs> I'm so jealous of all his stuff. He always has the coolest stuff. And, yeah, um, he's, uh, he's definitely a cool dude. Yeah, like, I love that guy. And so I was very stoked to, to see that he was on your last podcast. And um, But anyway, like my bass rig is, uh, I have a Rickenbacker bass as well. Mm. Uh, mm. The okay. 4003 uh, Oh, can you say that like four more times? <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a black. It's the black one with the white binding and all that kind of stuff. Um, I have actually never played it live because I'm just worried. You're paranoid about it. I don't (laughs) want to break it or anything. I don't want someone to steal it either. That's probably the main the main thing. But um, uh, you having like a glass case at home or something? No, I mean I use it at home all the time for recording. I just don't. I just don't take it with me anywhere. I've never played one, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Actually, the the neck on a Rickenbacker bass is fucking huge. Like yeah. compared to like a P bass. Yeah. My other bass is um is actually a squire precision bass, but it's um it's the signature model of some guy. I don't know his name, but he was in Strung Out. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Chris Aiken? Aiken, yeah. Aiken is I'm okay. pretty sure that's it. I know I is I, it like the sparkly kind of or the, the mirrored mirrored pick guard? It has the mirror pick guard and then it has inlays on the neck and stuff, which was why I was drawn to it because as a guitar player for so long, I have always liked guitars that have had inlays on the neck. Mm-hmm. And um and so when I saw that, I was like, Hey, there's a bass with inlays on the neck and it only costs like two hundred bucks or whatever, you and know. You don't have to buy a Getty Lee yeah, six yeah, right. block inlay. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh it's very cool and it and it has a, a badass bridge and um nice. it's got a good is pickup it string in it. through or is it just like a regular I think it's a regular, tube? yeah. I actually I don't really know which model it is. Mm. It's how we'll bad to... of a bass player I am. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I have a bad S three on my okay. oh. so I'm a string got through. One up. Mm. <laughs> Whatever one you had, if you have a three I have a four. Yeah. <laughs> Those the one they never made. <laughs> I got Actually, the Evertune the bass string? bridge. Yeah. yeah, you guys haven't seen it yet, but <laughs> yeah. I got it. I made one in my own garage. <laughs> yeah, forged it. Yeah, it <laughs> it doesn't work though, but you know <laughs> yeah. I have it. Yeah, it's it's there. Uh, well, so I replaced the the mirror pit guard because that was a little too cokey for me. So I yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I put like a, a black pit guard on it, and um, which is uh, it's kind of odd because it it only has a volume knob doesn't have a tone knob yeah you need. so there's like a hole in the pick guard where oh, that other knob yeah. would be you know just put one there just put a pot i know there. it's just like just glue clamp on it in there. <laughs> yeah um but it's cool like it it sounds great it's got a very like robust sound like it's you know uh I, i'm it's like standard fender pick or uh i don't know what kind of pickups are in there but it's like a seymour duncan design design yeah. something okay yeah. cool so it's like it's now. pretty beefy and uh it it stays in tune it's like it stays intonated i never have any problems with it like it's just it's good to go you know um and it's super comfortable to play the neck on it is pretty thin i mean it almost feels like a jazz bass okay. really but um but i mean and it's much thinner than the rickenbacker neck the Rickenbacker neck's like a baseball bat. Are you it's running crazy. any pedals or anything? Or um, I used to use a uh, 
a couple different fuzz pedals. I used to use a Pharaoh fuzz with it from Black Arts Tone Works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they that particular pedal um, has one setting where um, I don't think it cuts any of the low frequencies at all. Nice. So it's you can use it on guitar, bass, whatever, really. And I remember when Diamond Lakes recorded our first EP a couple years ago, we went up to Chaos Recorders up in Escondido and recorded with the, a guy named Christopher Hoffey. And I told him I had a fuzz pedal with me and he kind of laughed at me and he was like, okay, yeah, you know, we... We might add, you know, some fuzz in, in post, you know. Let's yeah, just yeah, keep yeah. that out of the chain. Yeah, it's like, you That'd know, great. we probably don't need that. And I was like, well, it sounds really good, and I use it live and stuff, and it's it's pretty legit. He's like, we'll, we'll try it out. We'll yeah, try yeah, it out. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay. And so I plugged it in, and we ran through a song, and he was like, he comes out of the control room. He's like, oh, shit, that's a badass fucking fuzz pedal. <laughs> and I was like, okay. There you go. And so I think I used it on pretty much every track on that um, EP that we did. Add that to the list, Brian, yeah. of pedals. Okay. I don't have any fuzz pedals. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, I, have, well, I have three in that drawer right there. They're all, they're all in parts and yeah. pieces. Oh. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, one's assembled, but it doesn't work. <laughs> well, the uh, the Pharaoh is legit. Um, and then I, I have a, a Sovtech Big Muff, one of the big green ones um, that I, I used very early on that... Um, is it's very big and it's yeah. very bassy and it, it works on bass, but it, like the pedal itself weighs like 20 pounds and like the button on it was kind of intermittent and like, I can never really it trust it. it. To... Yeah. And like the battery compartment fell off and it was just like one of those things where I didn't have a lot of trust and a lot of confidence. Yeah, in, you can you know. leave that one at home. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, those are the only two that I, that I really use. Um, I don't use them anymore. Um, uh, those are only two that I've only ever used uh, yeah. in my bass rig. So um, now I have, um, I run my bass through a Fender Rumble 500 head. Nice. nice. Okay. Um, and that has like a built-in overdrive circuit on it mm-hmm. that you can adjust and do all that kind of stuff with. So I generally turn, I, I fiddle around with that to get kind of like overdriven bass tones and stuff. Um, and then, you know, a tuner. And then I run the head through um, an Ampeg 2x10. I don't have an 8x10 or a 6x10 or a 4x10. 2x10. 2x10. That's all you need. Um, it was initially, I think they're That's pretty- That's what we need next, actually. <laughs> oh, I mean, like- I just, okay. I just calculated that in my head. You're like- We well, you do yeah. have a 2x10- we have a two by twelve. Com- Sorry, two com- by twelve combo. Yeah, it's a the orange like terror mm-hmm. base combo. Yeah, it's fucking sick. It <laughs> is like because pe- we play it and people are like, Jesus, that sounds aw-. like. And they look at the like they like we're, uh, we played at the Moreau like yeah. a couple weeks ago. And you know the Moreau, right? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been there? Uh, <laughs> and then there's like people were like, Jesus, that sounds fucking sick. And Kyle was playing that bass, ca- you know, combo, and people yeah. were like, they look at them like. Where's your amp? Where's yeah. the fridge? Where, yeah. Where's yeah. like, you know, yeah. like 30, 40 pounds? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I love that it's thing. It's like 500 watts, just like kind of like crank it, and then it's like, that's all you need, really. When you're when you're playing pretty much any venue in San Diego that has like a professional PA, mm-hmm. there's really no use in hauling around. I mean, I love playing through a huge bass rig. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I don't. I don't <laughs> always do that. I do. <laughs> 
got a <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I love how I've called out both Brian and Kyle on the same you podcast. Made a, you made a list before you came in here. You're like, who, oh, who am I going to bust up? Yeah. I Where usually play the 410 if I'm playing. You know, that's like the good solid, like, this will fill any room. Yeah. You know. Well, it's so it's not that I, I, um, I, you know, don't want to use a 410 or a no, 6 by 10 or 8 by 10 or anything like that. Um, initially, I did. I bought two 2 by 10 cabinets. Mm. Um, and I ran them together, and it was awesome because they were, they're the micro cabs that Ampeg makes. Okay, yeah, yeah. And nice. so they're super portable. They only weigh like 20 pounds or whatever. Awesome. And, and so like you carry these things around like super easily, but you have a 4 by 10, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of them got, both of them got stolen. Oh fuck! God. Out of my car, someone broke into my car and stole both of them. So I bought, I rebought one of them because yeah. I didn't have money to buy the second one, yeah. and I never did. So, so I half only the man had, you used to be. I'm like half the man I used to song. be. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, what happened is I ended up loaning that to uh, my friend who plays in a band called Soft Lions, and thinking, okay, it's not a big deal. Like she play as a Wurlitzer. And I'm like, a keyboard amp, no big oh, deal. No. Well, apparently they brought it back after their show or whatever. And like the speakers were totally blown out. Like ah. they had totally oh. been destroyed. And I don't know really what they did. I'm assuming that a much powerful, much more powerful amp than they did cabinet. Cause it's only a two by 10. And I think those Ampegs, I think they're only 200 Watts max. Yeah. So, um, it got blown up, but their drummer, um, his name is John Bonzer. He worked, he like, he makes guitar cabinets and, and amps, amps and, and guitars guitar, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And so I was talking to him and I was like, you know, I, I hate to be a dickhead, but I mean, you guys kind of yeah. ruined my <laughs> Hook it up. cab, you know? And he <laughs> yeah. was like, he's like, oh, well, um, <laughs> I'll fix that for you. And I was <laughs> I like, okay, guess. okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. okay. <laughs> so he goes and he puts like crazy speakers in it and now it's like a 500 watt cabinet or whatever nice. and it sounds yeah. better than it ever did i mean both of them like the two of them together wouldn't match what yeah. nice. the single one can do now and so i've never invested in like another cabinet because you don't need it yeah i don't need it and so i carry that around with me i mean it's a it's a 20 pound cabinet it's a five pound head and i'm done you know i mean I'm very lazy. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, and I admire bass players that will haul around like a big rig and all that kind of stuff, but also have a very small car. So it also works for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I use for bass. Well, like right before a show, I'll be like, oh, should we bring the A10? And Brian's like, no, no. I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right. Okay. Now, just in case. Now we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into more nitty gritty. Now, now guitars, guitar rig. Oh, uh, guitar. So we, that's, oh, we've seen you. In Chess Wars, yeah. I remember watching you. You got, you kind of had like a what a flying V. I always used to see with a twin reverb and yeah, a gang little pedals. V. Yeah, I, and then so. with uh, what Boy King, you had Marshall Plexi Stack. Yeah, and you had the custom yeah. Les Paul. Yeah. So, uh, let, him, yeah. let him talk right, about I'm it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, Gosh, I, I, now I'm, we're done. I'm, right, we're, I'm camaraderie. I've seen you with these different rigs. So, 
you're a man of tone. Oh, thank and you. And I'm watching you, and I'm 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 that guy who's just like with the beer and the nose. I'm like, oh, what, hey, you, what I you like that? At? What you got so, there? Uh, what, what you got over here? And you're just like, you're just like, shoot, get out of here, get no, out of here. Never. So I, I appreciate that. So thank I, you for I've, I've been peeking, I've been looking. So you know, you have your different rigs. Let's uh, divulge. Um, Dive into it here. Yeah, I, I'll I'll try to make it as brief as I can. See, there's that shame I talk about. Like I, I instantly my reaction when talking about gear is like, I'll try to speed this up as fast my, as I my, can. My secret shame. Burden you my with this. Shame. I gotta remember I'm on the tone jerks this yeah. is where we talk yeah. about this yeah we stuff. talk about you try not to be jerky but can you hurry up with this <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh, so you gave him a jab he's right. gonna give you some he's been some... waiting he's been waiting over there since the end since the whole <laughs> the 8 ampeg. by 10 uh, I will get you so good uh, so old tiger was a flying V through um, a deluxe reverb and I generally used um, the the Pedals are always changing. So mm-hmm. like it, mostly for that, it was like a carbon copy delay. Um, I love that pedal. Yeah. It's beautiful. It just works. And um, aside from that, I think the drive pedals I was using was a uh, micro amp for mm-hmm. like a boost. And then I think I, I think I'm, I might've had uh, a King of tone analog man, King of tone Dang. pedal on that. Do you still have that? Yes. There yes, you go. Yeah. Um, that has the two channels. Did you have uh, what the high gain? Low no, gain, it's just normal gain on both on okay. both sides, and it was um, it was the only pedal I've ever been on a wait list for, which yeah. is funny. Um, they got like a eighteen month yeah list on that guy, and it was one of the f- one of the really the first pedals that I really ever bought. Like um, you know, I bought like a couple just kind of fifty dollar mm-hmm. pedals or whatever before that, but that was the first one that. I don't know what got into me, but at some point I was like, I really want this pedal. And it, uh, I got on the wait list and I totally forgot about it because it was like a year and a half <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah. 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 Uh, what the hell is this? Yeah. A year and a half later, the guy, Mike emails me and, and he goes, Oh, you know, you're up. Do you still want it? And I was like, well, I don't know. Do I still want it? I don't know. You're like, I don't know. Spam. <laughs> yeah. Delete this Spam, delete. <laughs> Get out of here, Mike. Anyway, so I don't, I, know, uh, I don't know what's in it for me. <laughs> a pedal? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I ended up ordering it and uh, I've, I've, I can't bring myself to ever get rid of it. You know, a lot of pedals have come and gone yeah. over that, that one's... time. And uh, it is, it has remained. I you still use it today. One side on the whole time and then kind of stack the other one, like for, yeah, I, drive th- I think, um, Generally, yeah, the the right side is kind of the overdrive side. You can set them all sorts of different ways, but I think what I would normally do was I'd had one on overdrive, and then the left side was just a straight boost. Yeah, and um, you know, it was pretty standard that way, and it just sounds just beautiful, just totally magical. Um, I like look far away into the distance you're as like, I um, say. You're thinking about it. <laughs> it's your phone background is the <laughs> king of tone. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> picture in your wallet. Right. Which is you, you with here's, the, my, here's my kids. You, you with, the, with, with the pedal. <laughs> uh, so, um, so that was basically that rig for, for that band, Old Tiger. It was, it was just that. And then um, Chess Wars got... Uh, a lot more complicated because I was playing basically guitar and bass at the same time. Um, we didn't have a bass player. Yeah, it, was it was just a two, me. Two man project. Yeah. Me and Jake Nager, he was the drummer. And, um, it was, I, th- I think for that, I used the Pharaoh fuzz. Um, I used, uh, 
also the carbon copy, but I would also stack that every once in a while with a, um, a Catalan bread Ecorec. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and before, before the signal got to all that stuff, it would, um, I had it running through a micropog, electroharmonics micropog, and I would run the dry signal into a twin reverb. Yeah. And I would run the affected signal into the PA. Okay, cool. So you did a DI. So they would basically use the PA as your bass amp, the biggest bass amp you've there like you ever played <laughs> through. <laughs> um, which I was like really proud of. For some reason, like it like it wasn't always that way when I started out. I you know, I no, ran makes, everything that, through a twin. That makes perfect sense cuz I think I've seen you I saw you guys a couple times. And I was like, man, that sounds fucking huge. And I was like, always like, I'm like peeking. I'm like, what's he fucking doing over there? <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of people nice. like, you know, um, Justin from Gloomsday and Deep Sea Thunder Beast, like he, um, he brings a huge bass rig mm-hmm. and a guitar rig with him when he plays, he plays a baritone. And I'm like, dude, just, just run it into the PA, man. Yeah. Like it's so <laughs> much easier. Let but, the sound uh, guy deal with it. <laughs> Um, but you know, he obviously has a lot more control over his tone that way. Um, I was just hoping when I did that, that it would work out well, you know, and, um, I think generally it did. So I didn't worry about it too much. Um, but that was chess wars. Boy King was very similar to that. Um, but I used uh, a timeline, Strymon timeline for that band, uh, for all the delay and stuff like that. There was a couple like weird shimmer, delay yeah. settings on that that i used, you didn't use like it. an octave or anything like that or no i did yeah in that band too because it was also another drummer guitar slash bass yeah. projects you know did you find uh that you also use the carbon copy with the strymon or because uh, i'm finding like with digital delays like even i have a you know dd 500 poor man's you know timeline and I'm like, I'm still not, ex- not I, well, exactly. Well, that's what people call it. I, I, I love it though, but I'm like, it kind of made my bed with that one. And I'm like, I still like having an analog delay to kind of have that. For sure. Yeah. I, I don't have the timeline anymore, to be honest with you. Like, um, I am not good with, uh, presets and stuff like that mm. for, for, I don't like menus and stuff, you know, like it's a, it's, I grew up using a Tascam 388 to record yeah. music with. And it's been basically like how I approach my music gear, like the simpler, the better, you know, like if there's a knob for that function on a pedal, mm-hmm. I will gravitate towards that pedal. You know, if it's all menus and presets and MIDI and all Double that kind of stuff. tapping and then holding it and then <laughs> holding yeah, like it for a four seconds code after. to put in a delay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Up, I, down, <laughs> right, left, A, B, X. <laughs> Select, start, yeah. <laughs> for some reason, that stuff really kind of scrambles my brain. And it's not that I can't figure it out. It's just I... It's I'm just that you, you don't want to. I don't want to, yeah. And yeah. because there are options out there for anybody, everybody that, that yeah. you know, whatever they want. So... Um, I used that for a while and I had a few settings that I used for boy King that were like specific to songs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I would, I found myself making settings of the other delay pedals that I had. Yeah. <laughs> like I would try to create a carbon copy setting on the timeline and it never quite got there, you know, like it got 95% of the way there, but it never quite. Yeah you know, was punched in like a hundred percent accurate. And so, um, 
I eventually took that off. And um, I think ever since then, I've basically, I haven't really played out too much live um, after that. So I sold a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, in that band, I was playing, like you said, a, a Gibson Les Paul Custom through a Marshall Plexi, 100 Watt Plexi. Um, and thanks for noticing, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Plexi doesn't get used anymore. Um, everyone hated me for using it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> like it got to, it just never broke up, right? Yeah, really never frank. broke up. Yeah, no. you can't. I mean, you can't turn Is that it kinda, past kinda, two. Kind of why you got it, or you kind of got it. I got it because it was very. It had so much headroom. Like it was mm-hmm. just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, um, it's the loudest fucking amp besides a twin reverb that I've ever heard. Um, but it was also like a, you know. For me in a tiny car, it's you know, hauling a half sack around oh, you God. Know, yeah. to area shows was <laughs> and was kind of ridiculous. And after a while, like, you know, my drummer in that band was just like, because he had like a a RAV4 or, or no, not an Xterra is yeah, what he yeah, had. Yeah. And so he that's would like always. The, that's like the drummer car. Yeah, Every yeah. drummer has a They have Nissan kind of like Xterra. a high roof almost. Like, and it, and it and it seems like there's a lot of space and in the it's like whenever they're buying the, drummers are buying cars they're like they see the xterra i'm like oh man i could fit a bunch of drums in there <laughs> for real yeah <laughs> yeah nissan xterra or uh honda element yeah those yes. are, those i go camping yes. but i'll probably not go camping i'll probably <laughs> just do drum shit <laughs> I <ain't> drum shit <laughs> actually I, I i'm not a car guy but like i i wish i had an element like that mm-hmm. was that's kind of like not my dream car but like if i had the money and there was one that didn't have a million miles on it like i'd probably buy it yeah. you know um but anyway, my drummer, he would he would haul around a lot of our shit. Yeah. And like, so he'd be like, you know what? Fuck you and your goddamn half stack. Get a smaller amplifier, you know? Can't you use like, a hey. fucking Princeton or something? <laughs> He's like, how do you know what that is? I did my research, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I, I don't use it anymore, and it just kind of sits there, and I actually tried selling it recently, and... Um, I won't ship it though. So like a lot of people are like, ship it to wherever I'll pay for God, shipping. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not doing it, man. You're not like, going to want, you're not going to want to pay for the shipping. Yeah. It's going to be like 150 to probably $250. Yeah, absolutely. It's a hundred pound head, you know, yeah, on to its like, own. you know, with the insurance and everything. God, I, I shipped a twin fender twin reverb and I'm like, the guy paid for shipping, but I was like, Oh God, it was like about almost a hundred bucks. Wow. Did it have a case? Nope. I packed, I packed the shit out of it. Wait, wait, wow. wait. We I packed the shit out no, of it. No, I was a big part of that too. Yeah. I drank you a lot paid of, for it. I drank a lot of the beers. Yeah. While you were doing all the work. <laughs> Man, yeah. The, I can only imagine shipping a twin reverb. It's, That's it, insane. It's, it's, a, it's a dumb idea. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, like I won't ship it and uh, I've had to tell a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And, um, I think, um, so all three of those bands at one point were happening at the same time. And, um, the, the, I think the last old tiger show I played, uh, I had switched over from the flying V to, um, an Epiphone casino. And oh, I was shit. Okay, that's using cool. that with, uh, a Princeton reverb, um, <laughs> a 68 custom reissue. I think oh yeah. Yeah. Those, uh, silver face, the silver face ones. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful amp for sure. Um, and 
I think other than that, I mean, after, I, I guess after like those bands had kind of wrapped up, um, I started kind of selling off stuff that I wasn't using anymore. And so I still have the, the Les Paul custom and the flying V, but I sold the casino and now and I sold a bunch of other guitars that I had laying around. Um, and now I am like very, uh, I don't know what the term is, but I have like a couple of vintage guitars that nice, nice, I yeah. like don't think I'll ever take anywhere, which is kind of Probably weird for me. Day. Yeah. Um, I'm, I have mixed feelings about it. I bought a, um, a 1968 Gibson ES345. Shit. And um, then I bought a 1966 ES330. And those are like my children. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Keep, keep those at home. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I'm not taking those to the bar. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be playing Tower Bar with a <laughs> ES330. And I, I guess, like, I, I had always wanted those guitars. And for whatever totally random reason, both of them ended up in my lap, like at a super crazy prices. Like, I mean, I couldn't even imagine like half of what they would yeah, normally yeah, yeah. cost, you know? And I started looking at it as like, okay, I have the custom and I have the flying V and, and whatever. And I can always play those guitars whenever, um, these guitars are kind of an investment, you know, in a way, yeah. um, like, I love playing them, yeah. so I don't, like, I don't, I'm like, oh, I'm going to stow them away somewhere in the basement or whatever. It's like, I play them. I just, you know, I don't know if I'll ever really take them anywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, but they are kind of, I am very attached to them, <laughs> unreasonably <laughs> attached to them. That's um, cool. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, other than that, um, I mean, that's about it. I sold a bunch of stuff over the last year. Like, I think I sold like nine guitars. Like, I Dang. sold. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. kind of like, you know, streamlining your your rig to what you need. Yeah. I mean, when you when you go from playing live a lot to like never playing live, like you're like, well, why do I have all this junk? You know, like, or why, do, you know, if I'm not you, like if I kind of have this rule now, like if I don't use something within a year, it's, it's got to go. It's got to go. Yeah. Um, there are like a few kind of random exceptions to that, but um but yeah, that's kind of my my take on things now. It's like if you're not ever using it, like you should probably move on, you know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh Brian here. Just want to let you guys know that uh this in recording session with Dustin ended up running a little long. So, to make it easier for you guys, you know, so it's not like a 2-hour long episode, uh we wanted to split it up. So, part 2 of this episode will be dropping later this week. So just stay tuned for that, and uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you next time.